the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. 1940, KYCR Golden Valley. Your exclusive Twin Cities home for the Ramsey Show. Live weekday afternoons from 1 to 4. With SRN News, I'm Bob Agnew with Washington. Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin began the so-called red wave when he was elected governor of Virginia last year, defeating Democrat power broker Terry McAuliffe. He's been out campaigning for GOP candidates and predicts more victories for the GOP on Election Day. I have 20 stops running into Election Day in Virginia to help candidates win. And uh, the red wave that found its headwaters in the Commonwealth last year is still flowing strong. And uh, I, we're just going to see some, some uh, seats flip, a bunch of them. Youngkin was interviewed this week by the Salem Radio Network. Survivors of storms that pounded several U.S. states say the nation's disaster aid system is broken. They want reforms to get money into victims' hands faster with less red tape. They gathered today, 10 years after Superstorm Sandy made landfall at the Jersey Shore. The gathering will include people that went through Sandy and Hurricanes Harvey, Irma, and Maria. This is SRN News. your help. Hello, I'm Marianne Kuharski, Director of Pro-Life Across America. In my 30-plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. Our ads feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound, and pregnancy help. Babies' lives are being saved. The need still exists. It really does. And Pro-Life Across America needs your help. To donate, please find us at ProLifeAcrossAmerica.org. Did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born? Yep, we all started small. I'm Staff Sergeant Mark Anthony I'm Madrid. Staff Sergeant Samantha Cowell. I'm Staff Sergeant I'm Alex Staff Stevens. Sergeant William Lewis, and I am proud to defend my family and our nation. The Air Force Reserve is part of the story of this great nation. I'm grateful that I have a chance to wear the uniform of the heroes that went before me. I am proud to be part of a team that helps make a difference in the world. Every day, men and women from communities across this nation serve as reserve citizen airmen. Even as technology evolves and changes, our commitment to defend and protect this nation remains steadfast. We celebrate those who have served and those who are proudly serving. We celebrate our proud history and look towards an exciting and uniting future. Our mission is to fly, fight, and win in air, space, and cyberspace. And I am proud to be a member. And I'm proud to serve in the United States. And I am proud to protect our country. Proud to serve in the U.S. Air Force Reserve. AFreserve.com. Portions of this program may have been pre-recorded. The views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Come on, rise and shine. It's a beautiful day, isn't it? It's going to be a great year. Turn all the lights on and kill the noise. The Biz 1440 presents the best two hours of economic news and commentary. Is it safe? It's the King Banyan Show. This is a man. Your source for penetrating economic insight, razor-sharp analysis, and unflinching universal thought. My mind is a globe whirling transient nodes of thought. Everything you need to maintain clarity and stay ahead of the economic curve. Now, here's Professor King Banyan. Welcome back, King Banyan Show. The Biz 1440. Thank you for listening today. Beautiful uh, autumn weekend. My wife and I are having a debate about whether or not to rake the leaves. I'm a bagger. I kind of think I have to bag my leaves, but she's telling me it's not good for the environment. I'm like, okay. Yes, too many leaves in the landfill leads to methane. 
and methane is bad. Okay. Someone's going to have to give me some advice on this. Reach out to me uh, using the, the Twitter handle, PoundKBRS, okay? Remember, Twitter is now good. Um, at least that's, that's what I seem to be being told by people. I'll tell you what's not good. Uh, what's not good is, uh, is uh, uh, what, happened with, uh, what happened during uh, shutdowns. We had uh, a few weeks ago, we had on uh, uh, John Phelan from the Center of American Experiment who had a report talking about the, uh, about the lost GDP to each, uh, citizens, uh, each citizen and for a family of four, almost $7,500. And I was thinking about that. I said, I said, I got to tell you, 7,500 actually doesn't feel like it's that big a number. And John's answer was, well, wait till you see, wait till you see what the other part of this thing says. And I'm like, what other part? And he told us, if you go back and listen to the show, about, uh, about a new report, a second one, uh, part two, about, about the school closures and how that uh, – how that ended up uh, damaging uh, damaging uh, education for our students here in Minnesota and in many other states around the country. Uh, joining us to talk about this is the author of this second report, Katrin uh, uh, Wigfall, uh, and, and uh, who I don't think we've ever met, Katrin, but uh, uh, it's a pleasure to at least talk to you online. Uh, good morning. Good morning, King. Thanks for having me. Hi. Yeah, well, welcome. Um, so, give us just let's just get right to it. Let's uh, just give us the, sure. the, the 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 give us the bad news. How bad was it for us to close schools in twenty twenty and then again in twenty one? Well, devastating, and I detail that out in my report, which, as you mentioned, is a, a part two on the cost of lockdowns and shutdowns. And really, my report is not hindsight. Uh, many of us were, were warning about the potential learning loss uh, that was uh, on the horizon and the data that was emerging that, would, that was showing how harmful school closures uh, could be. And many of us were calling for schools to reopen that fall, September 2020, as data continued to emerge, not only on the health side of things, but also uh, on the academic side. And so what my report goes through is it, it talks about how, you know, it started as a, a necessary health precaution, an understandable precaution, a public health intervention, really quickly expanded into a public policy response that brought a considerable and unnecessary cost upon our next generation of leaders. And uh, finally, more are, are, re- are realizing as data continue to emerge that school closures have had a negative impact. I just wish that we uh, we could more of us could have reached that conclusion sooner on because now it's not the question is not you know did students experience learning loss. We know that now the question remains: Will they ever recover from it? Yeah, I and and as a. Uh... As a university administrator and a longtime professor here at St. Cloud State, Catherine, uh, I, I, I mean, I'm beginning to wonder. I'm already finding myself thinking about, okay, so what's the impact of that lost learning on the students we will receive in college? Because it's not like mm. we're just going to tell those that fell behind, sorry, you can't come. Uh, no, we're going to have to find a way to uh, provide them the education that they want and need uh, to, for those who might for those who for whom we're a good choice and who want to come to us um uh and uh but my so i find myself thinking about that and i'm wondering is there any way to translate this response into sort of the way we normally think about this in terms of the years of lost learning is there i mean i i I want to get to a dollar at some point and i know we we talked offline and sort of said that might be hard to do but is there a way to translate the failure to meet these uh proficiency levels in terms of the number of years of lost learning? Well, there have been attempts to do so, and those numbers are changing. So I think about uh, an analysis that came out in December 2021 that estimated um, learning loss in the U.S. could cost students uh, $2 trillion in lifetime earnings. Uh, Since then, other reports have come out. I know The Economist published an article looking at uh, from the World Bank data, just looking at what school closures could cost children uh, in comparison to global GDP, and that number was at $21 trillion in earnings over their lifetimes, or 
around 17% of 2022 global GDP. So there are some real numbers being applied to learning loss. And as you know, without mastery of basics, our kiddos will grow up to be less productive and earn less. And so that's why it's important to Yes, talk about the academic achievement, learning loss, but to restate that learning loss in terms of students' future earnings. Uh, A great calculator that I have seen and used uh, tracks uh, learning loss through fall 2021, and it's through... Uh, Georgetown University's McCourt School of Public Policy, uh, their Edunomics Lab, and they put out a calculator where you can select your state and a district uh, should data be available when they compiled this calculator. And they then calculate based on how long district schools were remote or hybrid, uh, students' prior performance levels. They could estimate a loss of learning and math and reading, and then they calculated the cost to remedy that using an intervention that's considered a higher impact investment, which is tutoring. So I looked it up real quick for St. Cloud, a public school district, uh, Edunomics estimated that from the time that COVID hit in 2020 through the fall of 2021, St. Cloud Public School students lost 13 weeks of learning in math and 11 weeks of learning in reading. And the cost to remedy that would be uh, just over $10.5 million for tutoring in math and nearly $6 million for tutoring in reading, which, though, could be paid for through federal relief funds. The calculator also documents uh, how much the district received uh, in the third round of, of federal relief funds to, to that could maybe be tapped to cover that. So now that's just through fall... We know from statewide uh, spring 2022 data that the learning loss, you know, uh, continues to to show up on assessment data. Um, but I thought that that calculator was an interesting way to try to, you know, get our minds around what these policy decisions actually cost students. Okay, so that that so first of all, that's Georgetown that did that. That's not exactly we're not talking about about Hillsdale or some other conservative source that might want to want to get a <laughs> might might <laughs> might want to color the data a little bit. This feels this feels pretty legit to me. And I and, and Catherine, I, I will tell you, I remind people, Catherine Wigfall is our guest. She's uh, she's a, a policy fellow at the Center of American Experiment. Her report. Uh, about uh, the effects of shutdowns and lockdowns, particularly on education, I tweeted it to you before the show. Uh, but I will reiterate, I will, I will re-up that and kick it to the top of our top of our feed uh, during the next break. And I'm also going to find this edgenomics thing because I'm f- super interested in that. Katrin, here's the here's the thing that I that, that I find curious. So you, you picked St. Cloud because that's where I live, and that's great. My, uh, my I have a grandchild here who's uh, who's a second grader. Uh, and so yeah, that hits me close to home, <laughs> right? But <laughs> my perception, my perception was that actually the the costs were greater in some of the districts closer to the Twin Cities, where there was more reliance and more, dare I say, resistance to returning to in person instruction in some of those districts relative to what we experienced up here. Um, so. Comparing that that thirteen and thirteen weeks of math, eleven weeks of reading, in St. Cloud to what happens, say in St. Paul, what, sure. what would those numbers look like? What's the range I'm looking at? Well, what's nice too about my report is I actually include all school districts and the learning loss that Georgetown University calculates uh, paired with uh, assessment data um, because as you know, as I, I feel like the Edunomics Lab is a good measure of, you know, gives us a good starting point, um, but it does, it's not the full, the full picture because of when it stops and that sort of thing. So I pair that with also assessment data. But for a district like St. Paul, Edunomics actually says, they, you know, they lost 15 weeks of learning in math, 13 weeks 
of learning in, in reading. Uh, Minneapolis school district was a little higher, 17 weeks of learning in math, 14 weeks of learning in reading. So you do see math being hit the hardest, and statewide we saw that with our uh, achievement test results, and that could be because with, with reading, parents can, can work with their students at home and, and that sort of thing. But what's also interesting is aside from the learning loss is how that's reflected in proficiency scores. And so, as you mentioned, you know, districts in the metro area that were a little more reluctant to uh, resume in-person instruction, Minneapolis, St. Paul were, you know, once near the, the bottom of that list to, to come back in person. It really hit their lower income students and students of, of color very hard. Uh, and there was a lot of learning loss um, among demographics like that. And so, uh, assessment data, of course, is just one measure of, of student performance, but it plays an important part in this conversation, especially as we consider the role of school closures on academic achievement. And paired with that, just even going uh, on a national level, we've had uh, national test data recently released this past week, and that has dominated headlines. And so Minnesota students, unfortunately, continued uh, a downward decline in scores there. Uh, we also have ACT data that shows that Minnesota ACT scores have dropped to the lowest levels in at least a decade. So with these test data results, the question is, you know, did school closures exacerbate that? Uh, how big of a role did school closures play in that as we kind of look at these districts, as you mentioned, who were slow to resume in-person instruction? Uh, and the bottom, the bottom line answer is yes, school closures exacerbated the learning loss uh, that was actually already occurring pre-COVID uh, in, in many, many, many districts and in statewide scores. Okay, well, well, good. So, Katrin, we're going to take a, we're going to take a break here and uh, and for our sponsors. But I also want to make sure you're let's keep you. We're going to keep you here, and uh, we have a caller, and I'll get to them right after this break. Six five one two eight nine four four seven seven. The number to call with questions and comments uh, uh, about what you're hearing. You're visiting with Katrin Wigfall from the Center of the American Experiment about the cost of shutdowns and lockdowns, particularly regarding education. Here on the King Banyan Show on the Biz fourteen forty. Soaking up the sun in Fiji, walking through the Sculpture Garden in Minneapolis, or standing in awe at the Grand Canyon. We're where you are. Listen to The Biz 1440 at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app. Drowning in IRS debt? If you can't afford to pay your IRS debt due to economic hardship, you can now be free of IRS collection efforts by taking advantage of a special IRS tax hardship program. This program allows Americans who owe the IRS to resolve their delinquent tax debt once and for all. In some cases, maybe even reducing what you owe significantly. An open phone line has been established by Community Tax for consumers to call and see if they qualify. Simply dial 800-555-88. If you owe back taxes to the IRS and cannot afford to pay them back or have years of unfiled tax returns, help is standing by. Just call the Community Tax Helpline today at 800-555-88 for the help that you need. Don't take on the IRS alone. They can Attack your wages, savings, pension, home, and even your social security check. Call 800-555-88 to see if you qualify. That's 800-555-88. Dr. Gorka here, and I want to talk to you for a minute about the 100% drug-free relief factor. We all deal with aches and pains in our day-to-day lives, and I have had my fair share, including injuries like a detached quad muscle that, I can tell you, fell into the category of really bad pain. But I've been able to manage the pain by taking Relief Factor. It helps your own body to attack and fight off sources of inflammation, the source of most of our aches and pains, and I've loved it for 
years now. Almost 70% of the more than half a million people who have tried Relief Factor end up ordering more. That's because it works for them the way it worked for me. Isn't it time for you to get out of pain? Your first step to becoming pain-free should be to order the three-week quick starter pack for the discounted price of only $19.95. Go to relieffactor.com, call 800-4-RELIEF to find out more about this offer. Feel the difference. Sloan Martin, Michael Jr., your team for college football Saturday night, powered by Learfield. We're staying in the Big Ten, headed to the big house. Undefeated Michigan faces rival Michigan State. Sparty got one over on the Wolverines last year. We got the Paul Bunyan trophy on the line. Plenty of juice in the big house. You'll want to join us because Saturday nights are meant to be fun. Catch us right here Saturday at 630 on your home for college football Saturday night, powered by Learfield. Catch all the action at TwinCitiesBusinessRadio.com. The Biz 1440. Brighten someone's day with a free e-card from the largest online Christian greeting card site, CrossCards.com. There's one for every occasion, birthdays, holidays, or just to let someone know you care. CrossCards.com is a division of Salem Media Group. Welcome back. Perfect for today. Sunny day. We're visiting on this sunny day with uh, Catherine Wigfall from the Sunday American Experiment uh, talking about her, her new paper on uh, the cost of shutdowns and lockdowns and shutdowns, part two, which is about education, which I'm beginning to come to the view is even more important than the other. Uh, Catherine's with us uh, this hour. Uh, and uh, I have a caller on the line at 651-289-4477 with a question. Paul from Plymouth. Hey, good morning, Paul, and welcome to the show. I can't hear Paul. Paul, you there? Hello? Says he's on the line. We may have lost him. I'm not sure. Okay. Well, all right. So, so tell you what... Um, Paul, I'm going to give you a quick chance to call back while I uh, while I talk to Catherine about something else. But Catherine, if you're still there, then let's let's let me get on with this. And if Paul can bring us back, I'll get that question up. Um, I'll get the, I'll get him a chance to ask that question because uh, I think it's going to be a good one. Um, you know, so you've done this comparison like within Minnesota about the relationship between the length of time of uh, distance learning and 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 the length of and the learning loss that resulted from it have you had a chance to look at any studies of neighboring states and if you're in Minnesota right what's right what's right there on your on uh, you know, on your border is South Dakota where we kind of believe there wasn't very much of this these lockdowns and shutdowns at all um, so what has been the difference in learning loss between what happened in Minnesota and what happened in places like South Dakota or North Dakota? Sure. Well, that's that's a great question, and that's the next question that everyone is tackling. And with the recent release of the National Assessment of Educational Progress data, or NAEP data, that's what researchers are digging into, and that's also what I'm currently digging into. So that data was released on Monday, October 24th, and so I'm Come on, you had five doing... days, Catherine. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I will say I will say that I did compare. Minnesota to Mississippi because uh, we, we, you know, a comparison to neighboring states can be done. Uh, probably Wisconsin to Minnesota is more apples to apples, just given the, the student demographics and that sort of thing. And so I chose Mississippi for that reason as well. And Mississippi fourth grade reading scores on these national tests uh, are higher than Minnesota's fourth grade reading scores. Uh, and another state, Florida, uh, Florida spent more time in person and their mm-hmm. NAEP fourth grade reading scores um, did not change from 2019, whereas Minnesota, Mississippi, and several other neighboring states to Minnesota uh, dropped and experienced declines. So I thought that was of interest. Um, Okay. 
something else that's of interest is Mississippi uh, black and Hispanic students continue to outperform Minnesota's black and Hispanic students in nearly all national tests for the fourth and eighth grade reading and, and math tests. And so that is another piece to the puzzle as we try to figure out what states are doing, how they are maybe assessing their accountability measures and what they're focusing their dollars on to help students either come out of learning loss experienced uh, from COVID, but also uh, Mississippi was uh, doing great helping their uh, black students grow grow academically, whereas Minnesota has struggled to help uh, similar students succeed. So the short answer is I don't have neighboring state data right in front of me, but that is being done, and I will make sure to write about that on our website, AmericanExperiment.org. But initial comparisons, especially with fourth grade reading scores, uh, show that Minnesota students took a little bit of a harder hit than states like Mississippi and Florida. Great. That's a All right. Well, good. Boy, you delivered that really well. Uh, hey, I've got to call back on. No, no. I, oh, I'm just saying, I mean, you wrap that thing up. Those last two sentences, I'm like, that's the way you answer a question. Uh, <laughs> Paul, I got Paul from Plymouth back on the line, I think, uh, at 651-289-4477. Paul, are you there? Yeah, can you hear me now? I can. Thank you, Paul. Go ahead with your question for uh, Catherine Wickfall. Well, Catherine, uh, thank you for presenting this data. I think it's really instructional. I'm wondering if you had any way to quantify the uh, psychological and emotional impact of the shutdowns, which didn't just include schools. You know, all the kids' extracurriculars were canceled for, for basically a year, and a lot of their social interactions were put on hold. Thanks for the question, Paul. Absolutely, the students' mental and emotional uh, health plays, you know, is part of this conversation and was impacted uh, by policy decisions. Um, I did not dig into the mental health piece for this report in particular. I know my fellow economist, John Phelan, uh, he looked at that. I'm not sure if he put that into his first report, but... Um, I would say that increases in like suicide rates and, and, and that sort of thing, it, you know, it weren't as dramatic uh, for Minnesota from my just recollection with my conversation with John. So I can, um, I'll be, you know, I'm certainly happy to email email you more offline about it. Um, but that doesn't mean, of course, that students weren't impacted. Of, they they definitely were socially, emotionally, academically. Quantifying that is just a little trickier um, as far as, you know, short-term, but also we'll want to watch long-term trends and, and how that um, these decisions will impact students long-term. Um, because as you know, not all of the challenges that students experience within their, their learning environment uh, pop up right away. So the questions are, well, Will these policy decisions uh, impact future drug use or, or substance abuse or that sort of thing? Um, and so that is really hard to quantify, but something that we absolutely want to keep on our radar so that we can put out data on that as we learn it. So, uh, Catherine, uh, uh, we've got a few minutes left. I want to I want to be perspective about this and sort of like, um, am I, I mean, part of me just wants to throw up my hands and say, well, okay, so... COVID happened, and now we're going to have a, a crop of students that ended up not doing so well, and we'll have to somehow muddle through this and so forth. What are you seeing? What are you hearing? I know you had a couple of years of teaching experience yourself. Um, the uh, What do you see as being possible things we could do now to change this, correct this problem? Uh, we, if we've analyzed the problem correctly, and I'm, 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 I'm convinced that something happened, uh, mm -hmm. I, I, but, but my question is, is, so what do we do? Do we just throw up our hands and say, oh, well, or yeah, are, are there corrections? You mentioned tutoring, you know, as, as a possible, as a possible way of getting at this. Is there something, is that the way? Is there, is it summertime teaching? What's the, what's the way forward? Well, I think it really comes down to the the individual school and district impacted, and that will be really important for school leadership to you know use available assessment data and figure out okay 
first of all, uh, what was the impact on our student body, but also, second of all, who are the specific student groups that were uh, more seriously impacted by uh, the school closure policy decisions? And so with that, by by really replacing, I think, old accountability measures uh, that were in place pre-COVID, this, uh, you know, we need to, we can't just go back to normal. Um, we need to come up with, with new solutions to address this learning loss. So really replacing old accountability measures with specific targets for each school, and that could involve supplemental instruction for the students most impacted. I did mention tutoring. It is considered a higher impact investment. Um, and I think it's also, we, we also have a time now to reflect on the future of K-12 assessment and accountability and, and what that means for determining not only where students are but where they need to, where they need to be to be successful uh, both in the classroom but also outside of the classroom as the future of our labor market. So I, I think it's a great time for school leaders to assess the accountability measures that are currently in place and to realize that uh, those had challenges pre-COVID, uh, and then to get specific targets in place to, to really identify students who need the most help. So supplemental instruction, tutoring, uh, I leave that up to school leaders to decide amongst themselves, but we cannot return to normal, and uh, addressing this is of the utmost uh, importance, not only for school leadership, but for state policymakers as well, uh, especially as we weigh future policy choices regarding education. We need to give what happened to students uh, because of school closures a, a clear-eyed accounting. Yeah, well, I think both a clear-eyed accounting and the one question, the one question there that, that, that I'm, I'm left with is, where do we find all the extra instructors to provide that instruction? Um, you know, where's where's the reserve army of unemployed teachers that we can bring forward to uh, put them in front of the students that need this need this uh, supplemental instruction the most? I, I I I find myself wondering if that's even possible. Right, that is a question. We do see educators leaving the profession. Uh, you know, teachers, parents, students—they're exhausted from just the the chaos over the past couple of years and disruptions to learning. Um, and so, I, I don't know if it's necessarily you know adding adding more teachers um, to to deliver this tutoring or or whatnot, but. Um, I think paired with that, we can learn what other states are are doing uh, to address their learning loss and get their students back on track. I mentioned Mississippi's reading scores didn't suffer as um, as much as Minnesota's, and Mississippi is very intentional with their dollars going toward K-3 reading literacy and, and programs and that sort of thing, making sure their teachers are trained in the science of reading. And Mississippi receives far fewer per-student dollars than Minnesota. So I think it's looking at programs like that, initiatives like that, and seeing how we can replicate that within Minnesota uh, without adding additional burden onto our, our teachers and educators. Well, Katrin uh, Wigfall for Center American Experiment, I thank you for uh, talking with us today. I'm just, just quick editorial comment. The thought that I'm going to go into talking to uh, most of the uh, education bureaucracy and tell them there are things we can learn from Mississippi is likely to make a head explode. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, but uh, good for you for bringing that forward and uh, getting us to think again about a state that sometimes we kind of ignore. Uh, so thank you for that, and thank you for your report. I think this is very important, uh, and I, I hope uh, people will read it. Uh, AmericanExperiment.org is where you go to find that. Uh, thank you so much, Katrin, uh, and have yourself a great day. Uh, Thanks so we'll much, be back King. After this. Yep, we'll be back after this. You're listening to The King Banyan Show on The Biz, 1440.
Okay, Mr. and Mrs. Local Business Owner, do you get calls from multiple digital marketing firms trying to sell you the quick fix to your marketing challenges? Maybe you've bought the latest tactic that some hotshot sold you and you're wondering where your results are. The problem is you know you need to market your business, but trusting a partner, well, that's been a challenge. Our solution for many local business owners is through our digital marketing solutions, Salem Surround. Salem Surround is unique because we're based on the same guiding principles that Salem Media is. We actually care about our clients and we're accountable to our results. The same care that we deliver our radio content to you is the same we do with all our digital marketing services. So reach out to us at SalemSurround.com today and we'll consult with you about your individual needs and create a customized plan to actually do what you need your investment to do. That's SalemSurround.com, a full-service digital marketing solution for your business. Every day, the men and women of the United States Marine Corps demonstrate their commitment to defend the American way of life. Since 1775, we have served our nation as a force in readiness. From combat operations to humanitarian assistance in every corner of the world. No matter where the mission takes us today or wherever our country needs us tomorrow, we always remember the land we call home. As Marines, we take a stand for each other, for our nation, for us all. The few, the proud, the Marines. not over. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. I'm Marian Koharski, Director of Pro-Life Across America. In my 30-plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. Our messages feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound, and pregnancy assistance. Babies' lives are being saved. The need still exists. It really does. And Pro-Life Across America needs your help. Please find us at ProLifeAcrossAmerica.org. Did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born? Yep, we all started small. Oh, I love this song. If you've never heard it live, you're missing something. 651-289-4477, the number to call the King Banyan Show here on the Biz 1440. Thanks again to Katrin Wigfall from the uh, Center of the American Experiment. Um, I'm serious about this issue. If we have the size of educational deficit that we have, the question is how do you catch up? And the thing I decided not to press her on on that, and, and not be, because I don't, I don't know that there is an answer, and I don't think, I don't think it would have been fair to ask her a question I didn't think there was an answer for. Um, so, so I decided not to. Um, is trying to get at what the size of the, so she gave you some data from the World Bank and so forth on what the size of that learning loss is is, but the question is, can you ever catch up? Can I? Can I choose, if I chose not to invest in uh, a widget factory in year one or year two because I decided I wanted to spend my money on something else, um, and then in year three, in year three, I decide, oh, I needed a widget factory, um, eventually I get to build and I can have a factory. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to get to sell all the widgets because you've given up the first mover advantage. There's all kinds of other things that can go wrong there for sure. But you at least could catch up and build the factory, right? If I have a human being that I choose not to educate for two years and uh, or a year and a half, whatever you think that 
however, however long it was that your school district decided to send you into remote learning. And I can talk about remote learning in a minute. Uh, uh, I think I will. But, but if you decide to do that, um, how do you, you know, and then you decide later on, catch up. Well, I'll tell you what, the same education being provided to someone who's eight or nine probably has a different impact on them and has a different level of learning than someone who you delivered that instruction to at six or seven. It's where their brain development is at that moment and so forth. And I, I mean, I say this out of the experience of having a child who was skipped ahead and for a while that made sense. And then eventually it didn't make sense. And we decided that she would be, uh, she'd be reintegrated into kids more her own age we think we got it right, but we don't know, right? I always have to live my, myself saying, should we have not skipped her ahead? Or should we have not pulled her back into the other grade so that she could, you know? I mean, my view is that everything turned out great, but I, I, I don't know what the counterfactual is. So I'm trying to figure out the counterfactual. I mean, what we're trying to do is figure out the counterfactual of what happens if we didn't do what we did in Minnesota, and it's kind of hard to do. That's why I like the Mississippi case. Okay, look, I could talk about this, but I promised you a little bit because, of course, the Fed, the Fed's FOMC meeting is on Tuesday, Wednesday this week. Um, so Wednesday afternoon there'll be a press conference. We everybody expects there to be a seventy-five basis point increase in the in the Fed funds rate. And I and so I want to play for you two clips from last night from Larry Summers on Wall Street Week. And I'm going to play I'm going to play one that we already played once. Uh, but I want to play the other one first, talking about what it is we think the Fed needs to do. So let's start here. Cut number one. The political pressure is a counterproductive strategy from the point of view of those who launch it. Frankly, the Fed doesn't listen. And if anything, feels more pressure to prove its independence. So they don't influence short-term rates and what the Fed actually does. But they do raise questions in the mind of market participants, and they raise long-term rates. So political pressure is a fool's game and actually probably makes financial conditions tighter than they otherwise would be. So this part is, is important. I, I have mentioned on the show many times, my original research as a budding doctoral candidate in economics was to research the political economy of inflation, which meant to study the Federal Reserve and the behavior of the Federal Reserve. If you tell the Federal Reserve, you know, we, the Federal Reserve says it's independent. It has language in, in the Federal Reserve Act that gives it that independence. And it to, will protect itself from political pressure, often by doing exactly the opposite of what the, of what the politicians say at least publicly. Privately, they will try to negotiate to get the pressure off their back. But otherwise, it typically doesn't work. Okay? So that is an issue. And, 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 and Summers goes on in talking about this pressure that they're getting is in one of two camps. One, either they believe that the economy is going to go to below 2% inflation really fast, or... They just think that 2% is the wrong target now. And he asked for this. Cut number two. And I think it would be helpful if every critic of the Fed were asked exactly that question. Are they really saying that 2% inflation should not be the goal? In which case they should describe what their attitude is towards inflation and how they expect it to work out over time. Or are they expressing the view that the Fed is acting so strongly that it's going to produce so large a recession that inflation is going to fall below two. And if you, I don't see anybody making the second case. I simply don't see anybody making the second case. Again, inflation in both in the PCE in the PCE core PCE deflator on a year over year basis currently running above 5%. And yet if I read what, Market participants, if I go to that countdown to FOMC website that the Chicago Merck puts out, I see 75 basis points for this time, which will take us to four, to four to four and a quarter. And then I see either 50 or 75, and, and basically the lean now is toward 
a 50 basis point increase. It started, as some of my listeners have indicated to me on Twitter, it started by having people, including Nick Timoros, the Oracle of Timoros, as I like to call him, who's done a, who has a new has a book in the last six months out about Jay Powell. Do we think they don't have cell phone numbers and there's not a text stream between them? Okay, you got to be kidding if you don't think that's there. I haven't read the book yet, but I'm willing. I, but I'm I'm nervous that the book might be a little more hagiographic than than actual well done journalism based on the way in which I see him ask questions at the FOMC meeting. Wait, look for him. If you're watching the FOMC press conference on Wednesday, he will get a question. He always does. Um, and compare that question to some of the other questions that they're getting and ask yourself, was that a really hard-hitting question or not? Hmm, don't know. Anyway, um, I think that that the argument that's coming is, well, you should learn to live with 3% inflation. Not because they have an argument – why 3% should be greater than is better than 2 remember the fed doesn't even make the argument that 2% is better than 0 it doesn't do so in a significant way it used to say 0 to 2 was fine then it said 2 was fine and then eventually the fed in in late 2021 said we're actually going for a flexible average inflation targeting regime so that we have equal number of misses above 2% as below 2% well, when you lived in the zero to two world, okay, having your misses be more often on the low side than the high side was fine. When you now say you want to have an average of two, that you're you're going to be you're going to be symmetric in your in your viewpoint of a miss to the high side and a miss to the low side of two percent, then you're saying two is ideal without ever making the case for why two is ideal. So once you've decided you can do that, you've pretty much given up the ghost on whether or not you can get to why, – why is two okay and not three? Why can't we have three? And, and, and that would probably push you toward trying to move the – by saying, okay, if 3 percent is the target, we don't really need to be above 5 percent, even though the core PCE number is above 5 percent. Where's all that coming from? Well, I think I know why, and it's going to come in one last clip I got for you after the break, talking about this issue of financial dominance, the third mandate of the Fed, the trilemma. Coming up right after this, you're listening to The King Banyan Show on The Biz, 1440. The Biz 1440, KYCR Golden Valley. How is your car payment treating you? What if I told you you could make a free phone call right now and reduce your car payment by as much as $83 a month? Look at your car payment closely. You could be paying as high as 20% interest. Rate Genius can help you reduce your car payments by reducing your interest rate to as low as 2.48% APR. We can refinance most existing car loans or leased cars, new or used, and save you money every month. Put more money back in your pocket. The call is free to find out how low we can lower your car payment. Five minutes of your time right now could save you hundreds of dollars a year. Call Rate Genius now. 800-764-2179. 800-764-2179. That's 800-764-2179. Not all applicants qualify for a loan or rate savings. Actual offer terms, including APR, are determined at the time of your application based on creditworthiness, value of the vehicle, loan term, and other factors. Border Battle, the new six-part documentary series, puts you on the front line of America's southern border and rise of the deadly drug fentanyl. The overdose death crisis in this country is directly linked to Cartel Jalisco New Generation and the Sinaloa Cartel and their labs. Fentanyl is 50 times more powerful than heroin. Three grains of fentanyl would kill you. Tens of thousands of Americans have died, and our southern border is a drug cartel war zone. Now they have sophisticated weapons, tanks. They drop in explosives. 
shoes on their competitors right by the border. We've never seen this before in the history of the country. Border Battle shows a border crisis like never before with exclusive footage exposing the consequences of illegal immigration, drug trafficking, and decades of government neglect. This will get worse before it gets better. Watch Border Battle from Turning Point USA. Download this shocking six-part series now at SalemNow.com. That's SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Get that Rack Shack Attack, Rack Shack Barbecue. To do you right, we take time for a barbecue flavor that will blow your mind. Get that Rack Shack Attack, oh, Rack Shack Barbecue. Make fresh daily cater to you. Homemade sauces, secret rubs too. It's America's food and the right thing to do. Get that Rack Shack Attack, Rack Shack Barbecue, oh. GodTube.com. Inspiration, comedy, music, faith, and fun. Get the best of GodTube every morning and start your day with a smile. Great faith-based videos sent to your inbox daily when you subscribe at GodTube.com, a division of Salem Media Group. Sightseeing in Ferris, at the Mall in Bloomington, or on horseback in Dallas. We're where you are. Listen to the Biz 1440 at Odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app. So I did my uh, one Halloween party of the of the end of October uh, a couple nights ago, and um, I have a uh, I have a character, a lounge singer character that I dress as. I need to walk into into that place with this song. Turn it back up, please. That's not awesome. Where did you... Is John feeding you these things, Daniel? You can't know this song. Oh, definitely not. This is John's doing. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. There's just no way otherwise. I'm saying. Okay. That's fantastic. Thank you, John Burke, wherever you are. (laughs) That's great. Uh, 651-289-4477. We got to play this one last cut for you. So I... I was talking about this last week, and all this week, um, through a series of interviews, Mohamed El Arian, who former director, former um, uh, I think CIO or co-CIO with Bill Gross, I think, at PIMCO, one of the great Bond houses of all time, um, uh, president of Queens College at Oxford. Um, uh, and and also a uh, also a, 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 a fin- chief financial officer for Allianz um, was dis- was out pushing this idea that we actually got at a little bit last week, and I was trying to find like a short clip to get at this, and this was on Bloomberg earlier this week with Jonathan Farrow, uh, cut number three. It's clear what Chapal wants. He wants to be associated with Volcker. He wants the credibility, to borrow the credibility of Volcker. And he has cited Volcker in virtually every public statement since Jackson Hole. So it's very clear what, where he, how he wants to be seen, and for good reason. If you can borrow that credibility, you don't need to be as aggressive on rates. Um, the problem that he has that Volcker did not have is a trilemma. Volcker dealt with growth and inflation. Chapal has on top of that financial stability. If they pivot, it will be because of financial stability. It's not going to be because they are, they've decided to not look at inflation anymore. It will be because of financial stability. There you go. This is that. So here's the thing that's different between 1979 to 82 and what's what's going on right now. In 1979, when the Fed comes out and says, hello, we are going to fight inflation. He says, in essence, they're not going to try to control interest rates. They actually come up with a monetary supply target. They target non-borrowed reserves. Okay, so this is this is. 
basically a component of monetary base, and they say, we're going to come up with a week-by-week number, and we're going to tell FOMC, do this. Hit that number. Rather than telling them, do whatever you need to do to keep the Fed funds rate between this and this. They did that for three years. What happened in the intervening three years? Well, in my view, one of the things that happened that is ignored by people who are trying to compare this to the 70s. In 70s macro, you only had those two pieces. But in 1980, we passed something called the Depository Institution Deregulation and Monetary Control Act, DIDMCA. And I used to, when I tell my class, I would say DIDMCA, M-O-U-S-E. And what I, what, but it was a huge act. It was deregulation. People forget that the Carter White House had this streak of deregulation running through it, best uh, best observed by looking at Alfred Kahn and the Civil Aeronautics Board, which the which the Carter administration destroyed. They got heavily involved in deregulating the trucking industry. In another place, they were trying to do deregulation was in banking. It was followed in 1982, passed by passed by the by Congress and signed by by President Reagan at the time the Garn St. Germain Act, which completely deregulated and said, basically, if you're a savings and loan, you don't have to be like George Bailey. Uh, you don't have to be the George Bailey savings and, savings and loan institution from It's a Wonderful Life. You can go make loans to oil businesses. You can make loans to, you can go make loans to construct, you know, well, they did make loans to construction, but you can make loans to the local clothing store. You can make loans anywhere. Of course, we know what happened. In the late 1980s, lots of the financial system blew up. The savings and loan industry pretty much collapsed en masse and so forth. That's the addition of the financial instability. And the the thesis I'm going to explore with you over the next few weeks, I only have time to tease this for you now because I really wanted to get Katrin on the air, and I want to thank her for being here with us for that. What I wanted to tease for you is this idea. You can't do exactly what happened during the Volcker period because, in fact, the, the Federal Reserve does have, from its very start, a commandment that thou shalt not break the banks. The problem is Congress and the White House, under both Carter and Reagan and Bush 41 and Clinton, by the time Bush 43 comes along, the deal is done, have pushed this massive deregulation of the banking sector that has introduced instability, and rather than let banks fail, we've decided instead that the Fed has to always and everywhere protect them. The original sin, actually, to me, comes all the way back to DIDMCA in 1980, which I don't think I've heard articulated yet by somebody, but I, so I wanted to put that out there in front. I'm going to explore this more with you in, the, in future weeks, but as we listen to the Fed on... Uh, on Wednesday, this is part of what I'm going to be listening for. Daniel, thank you for your work today and for all the great music. Hi, John. We'll see you soon. We'll be back next week on Job Saturday, King Banyan Show, The Biz 1440. Wally Langfellow and Eric Nelson from Minnesota Score Radio's 10,000 Takes, talking about Minnesota's 10,000 losing teams. Wild Wolves, Gophers, Twins, Vikings, you name it, we'll cover it. Will any team step up? And give Minnesota's long-suffering fans something to cheer about. If they do, we'll tell you about it on 10,000 Takes. 10,000 Takes, weeknights at 5, here on the Biz 1440. Twin Cities Business Radio. When you take the time to really get to know your body, you find that the root causes of its aches and pains are usually simple. The older we get, the more exercise we undertake and the more injuries we sustain, the more inflammation our bodies suffer from. It's so simple. And my answer to that pain is Relief Factor, which I discovered years ago and take every single day to great effect. It helps the body to fight off inflammation, and I've never found anything that worked better in my life. I can't recommend it 
it enough. 70% of the more than half a million people who have tried Relief Factor end up ordering more. That's because it works for them the way it works for me. Isn't it time for you to get out of pain? Your first step to becoming pain-free should be to order the three-week quick start for the discounted price of only $19.95. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF to find out more about this offer. Feel the difference. relieffactor.com. Hello? Hey, stranger. Oh, hi. Thank goodness it's you. I was afraid to answer the phone. Why? What's up? The credit card companies are after me. They want me to make payments and the calls never stop. Ouch. Been there before, but I got help from Trinity Debt Management. Trinity? Yeah. I called and right away, Trinity contacted my creditors and got my interest rates cut in half. They ended all the late fees and over-limit charges, and they stopped those annoying phone calls. Bet that was a relief. Yep. Then they put me on a plan that consolidated my bills into one easy monthly payment. That way, I paid off my debt fast while saving thousands. Nice. Trinity even showed me how to plan and meet a monthly budget. So now I'm debt-free for keeps. Wow. Do you still have their number? Sure. Here, write this down and call 1-800-936-5496. Can you repeat that? 1-800-936-5496. That's 1-800-936-5496. C.S. Lewis once said, Education without values seems to make man a more clever devil. A Christian education is the solution to this problem and can be yours for half price for your child's first year. TwinCitiesTuitions.com and area schools are working together to make this a reality for families just like yours. Now you can equip your child with the knowledge and moral foundation needed for them to make an impact in today's world. To see the full list of participating half-off tuition institutions, go to TwinCitiesTuitions.com. That's TwinCitiesTuitions.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.